Hey friend, this is Shelby, host of the Resilient Podcast. I believe that every woman should have what she needs to feel confident. Each experience looks different, but that doesn't mean we have to be alone. What if as women, we came together and had real conversations that strengthened each other to go deeper with God and go further in life? I don't know about you, but that's what I'm here for. Let's do this together. Hi, ladies. Welcome back to the Resilient Podcast. I'm here today with Karis Snyder. Hi, Karis. Hey. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm super excited to have you. I connected with Karis over social media, and I, I loved her page. I was just sharing this with her, but I love her combination of of talking about mental health, um, but then also where Jesus is in the mix of that. And it really stood out to me. And so I followed along and then we were able to connect um, for this interview. And so for you listeners, I'm really excited to um, just have her as a guest today and have her share some of her story and then just some practical tools for dealing with mental health. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Karis is um, a mental health advocate and she's also a speaker, a writer, uh, and a worship leader. And she actually has a devotional book out right now. It's called uh, Anxiety Elephants. And we're going to probably touch on that a little bit more here. Um, but it's, yeah, I'm excited for you guys to just hear um, the wisdom that she carries from her experience of working through mental health. Um, but yeah, I would love to just even open up with like, help us maybe get to know you a little better, um, maybe where you're from, um, a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I'm sure that you guys can hear the accent. So I am from the South. I am from <laughs> Alabama. I have lived here my whole life and I have two daughters. I have a daughter who is 12 in sixth grade and one who is in second grade. She is eight. And uh, my husband and I, we've been married, let's see, almost 17 years. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> it goes really, really fast. Uh, I always like to give the side note that he was in a Christian boy band when we met. So that may be oh. another podcast interview for another day. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, so that was fun. But um, we are, like I said, we, in, you said in the introduction, we help lead worship at our church and I do travel around and do that. And I love traveling and speaking, encouraging women to know that, that we have hope that we can overcome, but I also get to have the opportunity to go into the schools and mm. I train teachers and train kids of all ages on how to cope with wow. anxiety. Yeah. So that's been a real blessing for me. And we are also parents of a fur child. We have a golden doodle. <laughs> um, he thinks he is a person. Uh, so. <laughs> he probably thinks he's the favorite child. And and sometimes he is, but that's okay. <laughs> that between us. <laughs> yeah. My mom, we have, uh, my parents had a dog for us growing up and we tease my mom because we're like, you would give your life for our dog champ, but would you give your life for me? You know, <laughs> we like to tease her that it's her favorite. <laughs> yes. Well, it's funny. We always said he would never, he would never sleep in our room and now he sleeps <laughs> on our bed and I'm like, what has happened to us? But, but we well, that's him. not He's a small fun. dog either. Right. That's a bigger size. Well, he dog. Is a, He's actually um, a mini golden okay. noodle. So he's only 25 pounds, which I justified it for that reason. Yeah, he was bigger. 
Yeah. wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So, <laughs> no. I feel like that's every couple. Unless you're like hardcore, hardcore dog lovers, everyone's like, we're not going to let the dog sleep in our bed. And then it just inevitably, I feel like it happens. <laughs> it happens. They give you this look and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I guess we'll snuggle. <laughs> that's <Okay>. awesome. <laughs> well, yeah. Thanks for letting us just even get a glimpse into your family. And um, yeah, that's amazing. And I really wanted to have you share today your story. Um, I heard it on your, uh, I believe on a YouTube video, but then on your social media page as well. Um, but you dealt with severe anxiety and, um, uh, like at, like for a while. Right. And I would love to just have you share, what did that look like? What was the process? And then, um, how did you like come to a place of getting healthier when it comes to your mental health? All right. I love that, that question process. And I think that is a key element in all of this with mental health. Um, for me in the beginning, Shelby, if I can be honest, Mm -hmm. I did not think that depression or anxiety were real. Um, And so for much of uh, the beginning of our ministry, you know, when women would come to me and say, I'm dealing with anxiety or I'm dealing with depression, can you pray for me? I would not respond with the compassion of Jesus. Um, Mm -hmm. My response would be, you need to pray harder, right? You need to read your Bible more. You need to uh, work harder. You just need to have more faith. Mm. Uh, and now if I knew you really well, my answer may have been to you, well, you just need to suck it up, buttercup. Mm. And one day that all changed. Yeah, that all changed for me when anxiety and depression almost took my life. And I was a master of the mask. Everything looked really great in my life. My oldest daughter at the time was only two. I had a successful business. My husband had a successful business. Mm-hmm. We were leading worship at a church at that time. and Everything looked great on the outside. But on the inside, I was dying. Mm-hmm. I was feeling just the pressure of thinking I had to have it all together, thinking I had to be perfect, thinking that I couldn't have any struggles. Mm-hmm. I put this pressure, and I think that we as women do this, don't we? We put this pressure on ourselves to have it all together to look, you know, like the perfect filtered version oh, of yeah. ourselves on a picture when that's mm-hmm. not the reality. Mm-hmm. Or we compare our behind the scenes to someone else's highlight reel. Yeah. And so um, that's what I did. Yeah. And it, it was starting to catch up with me. And I began to have these these feelings. It felt like an elephant, if you will, sitting mm-hmm. on my chest. Uh, it was in 2011. My heart began to race. It would be a fast, rapid heartbeat out of nowhere. Nothing brought it on. It would just come upon me. And it felt like I was having a heart attack. I thought I was dying, but I didn't tell anybody because wow. I was afraid if I tell, they're going to judge me. If I tell I'm struggling, um, they're not going to let me serve in the church anymore. If I tell, they'll reject me. I dealt mm-hmm. with with rejection as a child. I'm sure we can all pinpoint that rejection. Oh, so I yeah. held it in and I pushed it down. Yeah. Um, and I just tried to ignore it and uh, it got worse and it got worse and it got worse. And then I'll mm-hmm. never forget sitting on my beige couch in our living room and this anxiety attack came upon me and I couldn't breathe. I was mm-hmm. paralyzed in fear. And for those who don't know what that attack feels like, just close your eyes and imagine your heart beating as fast as it can. You're breathless and push down on your chest at the same time. 
Hmm. Um, and you're trying, yeah, you're trying to push back. You're trying to get out and you can't, mm-hmm. you're stuck. Mm-hmm. And so I called my mom. She was a safe person for me. And I called her, told her what was going on. And, and she told me to go to the doctor and I knew not to argue with my mother, even mm-hmm. then in my late twenties, don't argue with yeah. your mom. And <laughs> I went I went and, and the doctor, they, they were hooking me up to this EKG machine. I just kept apologizing because I began to feel like a burden. I was burdening these doctors. I was burdening this nurse. I was burdening my husband because he had to leave work to come get our child. Mm-hmm. And I just kept saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And that's where the depression started coming in because um, mm-hmm. I felt like I was causing harm and I was causing pain and I was causing more trouble than I was worth, which that's what depression mm-hmm. makes you feel. Yeah. They did the EKG machine. Yeah. And uh, the nurse, I'll never forget. She told me, you don't have to apologize. We are here to help you. Mm-hmm. This is why we're here. And she didn't shame me. She supported me in that moment. But the doctor mm-hmm. came in and said, your heart is fine. You're good. You're dealing with anxiety. And I honestly scoffed at him because I still did not believe it was real. So and, even at uh, that point, I went home and I saw in that moment, you were yeah. still in denial of it being like a real issue that it, that it could be tracked back to mental health. Hmm. That's right. I was still in denial because for all those years I had told other people that their issue was not real. Mm-hmm. And now here I am dealing with what they were dealing with. And I was just, I was in denial. I didn't want to admit it. I was afraid to admit it. Um, afraid of, of what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Afraid of the unknown. Just yeah. having this picture in my head. that, And I think, you know, I think the enemy does this to all of us. He makes us think if you share your battle, you'll battle it alone mm-hmm. when that is not true. But that's what we we believe. And so I, you know, I said, I'm good. I'm fine. I can I can do this. Um, and then I went home and I tried to. And then that's when the depression came in and it would say words to me like you are hopeless. You are mm-hmm. useless. You are purposeless you are worth less. Mm. And it was like a ping pong ball going back and forth in my head. I would think those words. And then I would think, why are you not trusting God? And those words would come back, those less than words. And then the ping pong ball would go back of, that's not what God says about you. And it was just a battle in my mm-hmm. mind. Mm-hmm. And um, to numb this pain, to numb anxiety, to numb the depression, I was starving myself. Oftentimes people, you know, they may turn to other things to numb the mm-hmm. pain. It's alcohol, drugs, relationship. Um, but for me, I wanted to starve it. And I ended up getting down to a hundred pounds and, um, was just living in fear, living in just total, a a state of hopelessness. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and all of this, I got pregnant Hmm. and I remember my doctor saying, Karis, for the sake of the baby, just eat, eat donuts for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I don't care. Just Mm -hmm. eat. And um, two things happened in that moment. I did eat a lot of donuts, but mm-hmm. the um, mama bear, the mama bear instinct to take care of that baby. I couldn't eat for myself, but I would eat for that baby to keep mm-hmm. try to keep the baby alive. Mm-hmm. And uh, I gained uh, six pounds in eight weeks, but I had a miscarriage mm-hmm. and I lost the baby. Wow. And that was a rock bottom moment for me. Yeah. But in that rock bottom moment, it helped me to look up. Hmm. Because it was as if God reached his his powerful but gentle hands down and said, look up. And when I looked up, 
I was not alone. Mm-hmm. No one had rejected me. No one turned their back on me. If anything, there were so many people around me, a counselor, my doctor, um, my church, my husband, he didn't leave me. My family didn't leave me. My friends didn't leave me. And an amazing thing happened as I began to talk about my struggle with my friends. They would look at me and almost breathe a sigh of relief and say, you too? Hmm. Like, yes, me me too. And in that moment, God began to show me Galatians 6, 2, um, we are to bear one another's burdens and so mm-hmm. fulfill the law of Christ. And so that took the mask off. And I understood in that moment, mm-hmm. we are supposed to have struggles. That's why Jesus came. Mm-hmm. So as we share and we begin to help one another, God can do an amazing thing as we, as, as women, as we come together and uh, fight our battles together. Mm-hmm. then we can begin to see see a shift. So that that was a huge part of me making that shift in my mental health, re- realizing that there are hundreds of millions of people battling mm-hmm. anxiety and mm-hmm. depression and they need coping skills that I learned. They need mm-hmm. they need ways, they need tangible things to mm-hmm. work through this real issue. Mm, wow, and that's so so powerful and even I think what you're saying is so true, true, even about carrying like a mask. And I think many women, whether it be in their Christian community, whether it be in their community of other moms, maybe that are friends of theirs, um, in any relationships, you know, I think we have a tendency, like you said early on to just cover our weaknesses and hide them. And what I have even seen in um, my own life, but then also like in any part, like person that I've gotten to know in ministry or just in relationship is people that appear perfect on the outside are usually covering something like you're saying, you know, like this internal war or just different things, you know, like people are not perfect. We are not meant to be perfect and we can't be. And so when we have this appearance of perfection, it typically is not the case when you get below the surface and not that everybody's hiding everything, but just like to recognize like, no, it's, you're not alone. You can bring it all out. You can lay it all out. Um, and like you said, people are not going to leave you. And if they do, maybe they're not the right people for you, you know? And so I think that's so important. And I love that that's such a huge piece of even your journey was just like, um, taking down those walls and, and showing people like, this is what I'm walking through. And then the acceptance and love in that. And I think it almost gives other people permission to say the same, like, Oh, you too. Okay. Well actually me too. And now I can be honest and real and vulnerable. So I think that's so huge. Um, with that, I would love to hear, um, I guess like, how did you, because you talked about even the denial piece of it. Um, and like, I think that's something I, I have seen over and over in the body of Christ um, is, and this is actually what attracted to me to the content that you've put out is just that so many times in the body of Christ, we shame mental health or we make it seem like it's not real, or these are not real problems. But then there's the other extreme of going, oh, okay, well, I have no hope. I I'm going to just be stuck with anxiety or depression forever. That's just who I am. You know, and I think that our culture, um, outside of the church is that extreme where it's this extreme of, Oh yeah, well, yeah, I'm just depressed, you know, and this is who I am. And this is, this is my lot to carry in life. And, and I don't believe either one is right. You know, um, I think that we have hope in Jesus. We have the tools to get victory. There is a freedom that comes from him. 
But at the same time, it's not just like, oh, pray more, do more, be better, and then you're going to be able to overcome. And so I'd love to hear for you, what was, how did you get out of that mold? Like you talked about, like, um, obviously coming to terms with it, but what was it that brought you out of the mold of believing that, um, yeah, that mental health wasn't real? And then how were you able to, um, as you switched to that mindset, like, how did that bring more health for you? Or I guess, did it bring more health for you? Yeah, I, I love that. I, and I think, you know, we tend to avoid things that we don't truly understand. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the church, we don't understand mental health that as a part of something that is very, very real. You know, I, I think that the church now is moving more towards trying to understand, trying to see that this really is, this is a serious issue that we've got to deal with, especially, you know, a lot of our leaders, a lot of church leaders are battling Mm -hmm. with anxiety and depression and burnout. And, you know, we've seen many who have taken their lives because they've hidden all of these things. And so I think for me, it's coming back again to that word, the, the process of, of going through and, and realizing as I was going through my own battle of anxiety and depression, even though no one could see it, it was very real mm. and it was very painful. And to know that there are people walking around us right now who are hopeless because they don't have Jesus feeling this pain and mm. feeling like there's no hope and we have the answer through him. And so my relationship with the Lord gave me the courage to reach out and say, I need help. I cannot mm. I can't do this alone. I can't figure all these things out alone. And so going through counseling really helped me to to kind of um, get the healing that I needed in broken places in my life that I had hidden so long. And Mm -hmm. then the the doctor aspect of it, the medication part that I think the church sometimes really battles with, I needed Mm -hmm. that. And she said something that really helped me. In, in my thinking to kind of switch. She mm-hmm. said, Karis, if you had heart disease, if you had diabetes, if you had high blood pressure, or if I said you had cancer and I told you, you needed to take this pill or, or radiation or chemo to fix it and make it better. Would you argue with me? And I told her, no, I wouldn't argue with you. I would do what needed to be done to fix that, that part of my body that was mm-hmm. out, you know, that was out of balance. And she said, yeah. okay, just like with your brain right now, your hormones, all these things happening within your brain are out of balance mm-hmm. because you've been in this place for months, probably years, mm-hmm. and it's out of balance. And what this medication will do is put your brain back into balance where you mm-hmm. can uh, not walk away around in a fog anymore, mm-hmm. where you're not always feel like you're wound tight like a rubber band ready to pop. Mm-hmm. At the moment. And so that really spoke to me to know, you know, if, if this was heart disease, I would do whatever I needed to do, you know, from mm-hmm. my doctor to get that. And so that was, that was a huge, huge piece in shifting my thinking. But I also speaking to the part of just living in the depression, mm-hmm. uh, living in the anxiety in yeah. a weird, in a weird way, it was comfortable. Mm-hmm. The pain was comfortable because that's what I knew and that's what I had done for day after day and month after month. And so to come out of that was scary. Uh, hope was scary, but the more I clung to hope, the less I wanted to be in my pit. Mm-hmm. And so it was a daily, it was daily, doing daily 
small tasks, daily task of journaling, daily mm-hmm. task of praying, uh, focusing, choosing to focus on what am I grateful for in my life instead of looking at what do I not like in my life, changing that perspective, just little things like that, those small steps over mm-hmm. time begin to help me to see I don't, this does not have to control me. Mm-hmm. I can choose to do these things and help help get myself mentally in shape. You know, like we do with our mm-hmm. body. First of the year, we're going to go to the gym. We're going to do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, we can do the same for our mental health. And, and mm-hmm. it is a process and it may feel painful, but the more you do it, the more you overcome and the different way you get to see your life um, through a different perspective. Now, I still have days. I still have moments, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't completely take me out. It might knock me down, but I can get back up. Hmm. So it gets easier. Like the more you're saying, like, as you exercise, just like you would exercise your physical body, there's exercises you can do, um, to help your mental health. And as you do that, it gets easier the next time and not again, no, nobody's perfect. It's not like you're going to be like, yeah, check it off the list. Never deal with mental health again. But the reality of like, as it comes, you then have tools or you have, um, the ability to not let it wipe you out or debilitate you. Um, so I love that. And I would love to know, like, do you have uh, even some practical tools that you could share even now with listeners to help um, if they're dealing with anxiety or depression? Absolutely. And, and I think that's that's a key, the practical tools. You know, I, I think it is very important, the spiritual aspect, just what God teaches us about his word and how beautiful it is. But the practical things, what can we do? Because a, mm-hmm. a lot of times anxiety comes because of things that you cannot control. You yeah. want to control it. You want to be in the driver's seat, but you can't and you're not supposed to. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. What, what can I control? So um, some practical things that you can do, even deep breathing, when you feel like your heart is racing and you just can't catch your breath, if you will Mm -hmm. stop and just take a deep breath in and hold it for four or five seconds and then exhale it out and do Mm -hmm. that over and over for, you know, three or four times, an amazing thing happens to our brain it shifts out of that emotional place where you're in, where your emotions are taking control. And Mm -hmm. it puts you back in that thinking part of your brain where your rational decision-making happens. Mm -hmm. Because we don't make good decisions when we're emotional. I mean, we can just be honest about that. Uh, So So deep breathing helps. I know I've mentioned journaling several times. Journaling is powerful. And I know you may think back to when you were in eighth grade and you had your your diary, <laughs> right? And you had the little lock on it and you hid the key from your brother or your sister so no mm-hmm. one could find it. But I remember in those moments, I got everything out, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, kind of, it's not so much of a diary. When I would journal, and I still journal to this day, um, and I would feel those bad negative thoughts come, or write them. I would just get them out as fast as I could. Spelling did not matter. Um, Mm -hmm. Punctuation, it was getting it on paper, getting it out of my head. So it would not take root in my Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. And so I would get rid of the bad and then I would have to replace it with good. You know, Mm -hmm. I cast those thoughts away and then I would replace it with good. So I would Google um, scripture. What are scriptures on anxiety? What are scriptures on fear? And then I would go read those over and over again, or I would say them out loud. Those type of things helped. Um, 
reaching out to my friends. Again, we are to bear one another's burdens. So Mm -hmm. this was hard for me because I, that was something that I had done for years, just hiding my, my troubles, finding those people in your tribe where you can say, Hey, this is not a good day. I'm Mm -hmm. struggling with this and reaching out to those people, knowing judgment is not going to come back on you. They're going to accept you and say, man, I understand, you know, I dealt with that yesterday or I dealt with that a few weeks ago. So having those people that are close to you that you can be honest to, that's huge Mm -hmm. with dealing with anxiety and knowing that they're going to love on you and allow you to share that, but they're going to speak truth into your life. Mm -hmm. They're going to say, okay, so you've said this. So now let's, let's shift. What can we do? differently. Um, Mm -hmm. Gratitude, practicing gratitude. There have been scientific studies done on gratitude. Our brains cannot be anxious and in a state of gratitude at the same time. So when we are on purpose thinking about what am I thankful for in my life, Mm -hmm. that helps. It just makes a a shift because you're looking, you're just looking for what, where am Mm -hmm. I thankful? Uh, mm-hmm. You can have kids. Kids are so good at this. They're they're thankful for the the tiniest thing in their life. Yeah. You know, I think we can learn um, a lot from them. Getting good sleep. You know, going to bed a little bit early. Social media. I, I have to turn it off when I know that I'm getting consumed with the the mindless scrolling. Pulling mm-hmm. back from that can help your anxiety. You know, those things that you're watching. Are you watching the news all the time? Um, you know, do you need to pull back from what you are allowing to come to come in um, to your mind? Those different things, those are some practical things. And if you are like me and you love coffee, you love caffeine, um, you may need to pull back from caffeine mm-hmm. for just a little bit because that can cause um, your heart to race a little bit. So once you can get things kind of back in balance, slowly. I can drink two cups of coffee now a day, which I'm very excited about. Um, so even little things like that, your caffeine and your sugar yeah. intake c- can help you with your anxiety. Mm, that's so good. I love those like practical pieces. And there's like so much in that, that I think even yeah. trying even one at a time, it's like, would be so much like so many levels of breakthrough in that. Um, and Something that I have uh, even experienced in my own life, um, I would say like a little over a year ago and like in this past year of 2020 more specifically, I dealt with depression for the first time. And I I think I was similar to you in some ways of like, oh, mental health. Yeah, like, yeah, it's real, but it's like, come on, like get over it, you know? And I dealt with mental health issues because there were a lot of things I felt were out of my control. So I even really resonate with you saying that 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 can cause a lot of like like fear and anxiety and depression because you feel like your life is out of your control. Um, and so with that, for the first time, I dealt with depression. And in um, kind of coming out on the other side of it, something that I've struggled with a little bit, but then I think also... I've heard this from other people as well, is this comfortability with the feelings of like even sadness or depression or like um, hopelessness. Like you almost can attach to it because it's become so normal to you. And I just was wondering if you have any like uh, thoughts on that or how people can even 
uh, process that because I don't know if you dealt with that at all as you were coming out on the other side of things going like, oh, I'm actually working really hard. I am seeing some some steps forward, but I'm still somewhat attached to these like negative emotions or these negative feelings that I've been so used to. Yeah. Um, you know, in a weird way, and you may understand when I say this, those negative emotions felt like my friends. Yeah. Um, you know, because you isolate yourself, you, you, you don't let anyone truly in, but those negative thoughts, those negative emotions, they're in. Um, mm-hmm. And even though they were hurting me, they felt like my friends and they like were, had been, yeah, they were comfort to me. And I knew what they were going to say over and mm-hmm. over. Um, mm-hmm. And even though, again, it was hurtful and it, and it crushed me. And it mm-hmm. beat me down. I at least always knew what I could to expect from them. I always knew what was going to come, and mm-hmm. so um, that was the hard part. I think to leave that, to leave that dark place, because I had I had been there for so long, and I found comfort in it. Yeah, you know, I think everybody, when you're in your comfort zone, no matter what it is, it's mm-hmm. hard to leave, even though you know good. Yeah. There is good right over if you just reach up, and so it's scary that mm-hmm. unknown you know, is scary that that process of healing is scary because you are beginning to acknowledge the hurt. You are beginning to acknowledge the pain um, mm-hmm. and and know that even in that process, I had to know that that it was OK to cry. Uh, mm-hmm. I had to know that it was like you said, it was OK to be sad and it was OK to mourn. I needed to mourn, honestly, mm-hmm. and grieve. Mm-hmm. And once I grieved that, it began to kind of help me to see this was not the best for me. Like it began to help me to shift Mm -hmm. as I began to allow, to let those things go and to know that there was better for me. Mm -hmm. uh, And and God had a purpose and a plan for me. And that's why I was still here. Mm -hmm. Um, And just to, to know that if he loved me and he had grace upon grace for me, I needed to give grace upon grace to myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that that was helpful for me in that process. Mm. Did not make it easy. It didn't make it easy, but it it did help mm. me through it. Mm-hmm. That's so good. And I think, yeah, that's so helpful of just even recognizing like that is going to be normal. And in that, don't give up and continue to walk forward and continue to fight and take those two steps forward and maybe one step back, you know, and then it two more steps forward and another step back that like, there's so much grace in that and that God is in that process. He's not left. He's not embarrassed. He's not like, Oh yeah, well you thought you overcame, but really you still uh, resonate with those negative feelings. You know, like that's so good of just like his grace for us in walking that out. And that helps like not to condemn ourselves as we walk through that. Um, but to continue to fight for those things, continue to, uh, continue to, use the tools that you mentioned and like that we have been given to walk that out. Um, so yeah, that's really good. Um, was there any like specific scripture or like any, like even anything with the Lord revelation, whatever that might be that really helped you through that process? Yeah, there were, um, there were a few scriptures and there was also a moment where God helped me to shift those thoughts of being hopeless useless, worthless, and purposeless to he helped me to see you are purposeful. You Mm -hmm. are 
full. You are hope full and you are full of worth. And so that, that was so powerful for me to, to see that that's how he saw me. And mm-hmm. I began to have to receive that for myself. But a couple of scriptures, Psalms 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in mm-hmm. spirit. That was powerful for me. Um, Psalms 41 through three, I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. And then I know I've mentioned um, Galatians 6, 2, that we're to bear one another's burdens. Mm. I remember when God showed me that, I was just like, I've had this wrong for all these years that I was Mm -hmm. thinking in my head, I'm supposed to bear my own burdens, but Mm -hmm. we're called to bear one another's burdens. So Mm -hmm. those are just a few. I could give you many more, but I think those, those, uh, especially Psalm 41 through three, if you've dealt with depression, you are, you're, you feel like you're in that pit Mm -hmm. and to know that David was making that, you know, to the Lord, he was giving him that, those words, um, that's still today speaks very powerful to me. Mm, that's so good. Um, and I guess that, that even that last verse really leads into, um, another question I had, which was just, um, relationally, right? So on the other end of things, so maybe being someone who, um, is married to someone struggling with anxiety or maybe a friend of, a cl- of someone that is dealing with anxiety, um, because, I think you're so right. Like we are called to bear each other's burdens. So what would be some advice or some things that you would want to share with somebody that may be on the receiving end and how they can be a support to somebody walking through this? Right. I I love that question because it's needed because oftentimes when you have never felt anxiety and you never felt depression, but you have these people in your life that you love dealing Mm. with this, you feel clueless because you don't know what to do. And so first of all, I want to give give you, whoever you are, that permission to know that you don't have to know what to do. And mm-hmm. it's okay to not have all the answers. And I remember telling my husband that I was okay with him not having the answers. Mm-hmm. And I was okay with him even not understanding. I just needed to know that he loved me. And I needed to know that he was not going to leave, you know, because that's your fear. You know, if they, when you're the people that love you find out about this issue, are they going to leave me? Are they going to turn their, that's what the enemy tells you. So if you're, if you, first of all, just love, love Mm. them, Um, be there. Even if you say nothing, your presence being with them fights against that lie that they are alone. So Mm -hmm. I would say that. I would say, um, second, pray for them. Absolutely pray, you know, that that God would just do a work in their life. Encourage them to seek help because um, you're, you know, you, you're not a professional counselor. You're not a doctor. Mm-hmm. So give them that encouragement to seek that help. And if you're willing to go with them, because sometimes you want to go, but you're scared to go alone. Yeah. So if, you know, if you're willing to go with them, that helps them to know. Um, you know that that makes a huge difference. Mm. Those are the two main things for me to just know that they were going to be there, and I was okay with them not having all the answers. It actually made me feel better that they mm-hmm. didn't have all the answers. Um, yeah, you know, well, it gives you a tendency to try to fix it. You know, like 
I know that was true for me when people would come to me because I I'm a leader in a ministry. And so when people came to me with like struggles, you want to like give them the solution, you know, and sometimes they are asking for some help with that. But I have found too, so often it's like, no, you don't, you want me to sit with you here and you want me to be present and tell you like, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to be here and I love you and God loves you and, and, and you will be okay but yet not have to fix it all. So I love that of just like not having to feel the pressure of needing all the answers, but at the same time, not leaving your friend in that place. Because like, like we talked about before, like there is hope there is with Jesus. There is literally like Jesus and then all the tools, you know, and counseling and uh, medication or whatever that might look like. There are options for getting help. And so um, not just being like, yeah, I'm so here. I'm so here, but not doing the second part where you're, actually walking that out with them. So I love that combination of both because you don't want to leave them, um, high and dry. And so, yeah, that's so helpful. Um, in, um, our culture, I would say a big thing that I'm seeing is just this, um, very common, I would say culture outside of the church, the world is very much, embracing depression and anxiety. And I think something you may have mentioned early on was also just like, it is becoming a major issue, even with like teenagers or kids. And this is something where it's like, oh, well, every other kid has anxiety or depression at such a young age. And I guess my question to you would be, um, why do you think that is in some ways, but then also what can we do? Because I don't believe that we are called to just accept it and be like, yep, this is, this is me. Um, but at the same time, we're not supposed to be in denial. So I guess my question is just what is the balance of those things? And why are we maybe seeing that as a huge piece of our culture? Is this, um, anxiety and depression becoming so prevalent? I really don't know. Uh, Mm -hmm. and I hope it's okay for me to say that. I, I think it has become trendy to Mm -hmm. say, uh, I'm, I'm dealing with depression or I'm dealing with anxiety. Again, people, um, they don't want to be left out. You know, they feel like they got to be a part of, of the group. So sometimes I think that people may say it, so they're not left out. Um, yeah. so I think, you know, the world, it has, you know, our, the world of course is, is hopeless without Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's when the world clings to that. And I think mm-hmm. the enemy uses that because he tried to take me out with depression specifically mm-hmm. to make me feel like I was not needed here on this earth. And I think that's why we've seen an increase in suicide. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a statistic it's for ages 10, age 10 to 24. Suicide mm-hmm. is the number two leading cause of death. Wow. Yeah. So I, I, so I think the world grasp it because the enemy does not want us to fulfill the purpose that God has for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that, in the balance where, again, we do see our children and, and teenagers and adults, mm-hmm. I know battling it, but if we look at our children and our teens and we, we are honest with them and we tell them, listen, you're going to have hard times. You know, we can't make everything all rainbows and unicorns for you. Like you're going to have a hard teacher. You're going to deal with things with your friends. Like this is life. Life is filled with struggles. Mm -hmm. So teaching them now coping skills, this is how you can cope with this. This is how you can deal with, you know, when you feel that, that beating 
uh, hard feeling of your chest, that is anxiety. So we acknowledge that we teach them what that is and begin to teach them those skills. Now, how much Mm -hmm. different will they be when they're Mm -hmm. adults? Because now they understand the mental aspects of how to take care of themselves, how to Mm -hmm. know that they're going to deal with struggles. And this is what what they can do to overcome those struggles and to know that they're not alone in that struggle. Jesus is with them and Mm -hmm. he will not leave them. And so we, as believers, we get to add in that component that we Mm -hmm. have the savior of the world for Mm -hmm. us. So I think that that those things, those things are helpful for Mm -hmm. our kids and also helping balance out what the world is trying to tell everyone that they're, that they're Mm -hmm. not needed here, that they don't have a purpose and that this is going to be their life. Well, no, that's not true. You know, Mm -hmm. and so we as believers, I have felt somewhat convicted about writing in neutral, just writing in neutral, you know, mm-hmm. and um, we're, we're not called to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and we've got to put it in drive and mm-hmm. go, go be the hands and feet of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I think um, God has really been showing me even now more than ever um, because suicide is skyrocketing in the midst of a pandemic as well in the midst of people losing their businesses, people losing um, their relationships or being isolated, all these different things that come with what's happened with COVID. I would say mental health is a bigger deal than I've ever even seen. And it's, it is very real. Um, But I believe God is mobilizing us as the body of Christ like never before. And there's opportunity to minister to people who maybe would never have heard the gospel before. Because when we come to the end of ourselves, we often find our need for Jesus, you know, and I think that's so good for you to even encourage us to recognize our role in, in this time, you know, that not just to drive in neutral, we have the answer, you know, like people are struggling with mental health, but then just issues in general, and they are actually searching for answers. And, and if we just live our lives in neutral, we are not offering them the answer that they already are looking for that we know and we already carry as Christians. And so, yeah, I think that's so good. Making us aware. We need to be aware as the body of Christ that now more than ever is not a time to shrink back, but a time to be um, going out and making ourselves available to others and sharing the gospel unlike we ever have. Um, Yeah, I love that. Um, I love what, I'm sorry. I love what, what you said about um, making ourselves available. Hmm. You know, um, I think that's powerful. And I, and I think, too, we are here. We are alive for such a time mm-hmm. as this. You know, God, he ordered our days. He numbered them. And he he wanted us here for this moment in time. And mm-hmm. even though the pandemic caught us off guard, it did not catch him off guard. Mm-hmm. And, and I love what you said. He is, he's mobilizing the army of Christ and um, the church. And as we use our gifts and our talents and even share in our weaknesses, knowing, I think Paul said it, that God, he is the God of all comfort and he comforts mm-hmm. us so we can go comfort others. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that was just powerful what you said. Not mm, so good. Um, just to close here, I just wanted to know, um, we're just going to highlight your book here, but I also wanted to know, do you have anything else you want to share with everybody before we kind of wrap up? I would just love for everyone to know that even in our circumstances right now, they do not define God. They do not hold him back. They do not put him in a box. And I just want you to know that you are not alone. 
it is okay to not be okay. God loves you. He has Mm -hmm. you here on purpose for a purpose. And we are all going to walk this journey, even at times where you feel like you are crawling. Don't Mm -hmm. stop moving and just know that you are needed, you are wanted, and you are loved. That's so good. Thank you so much. Um, Before we wrap up, I just wanted to share a a resource. I love for you listeners. I love giving you guys resources. I always try to interview people that have resources available for you guys, because for me, at least I need tools. I need something that activates me and not just a good podcast where I go on with my day. I need something more. And so for those of you who are like me and want that, um, Karis actually has a devotional book called Anxiety Elevants. Is that right? That is right. Yeah. And I would love for you to just share a little bit about what that book is about. I'm going to link it for those of you listening to, you can grab that in the description. Um, You could go get that um, online, but I wanted to just give you a second to share more about what is in that resource. Absolutely. So it is a 31 day devotional to help you daily stomp out your anxiety. And in writing the devotional, I remembered when I was in the midst of my anxiety, I wanted to move. I wanted to take action, but I didn't know what action to take and I couldn't Mm -hmm. take big actions. So the book is written where you have a scripture focus for each day. And then uh, we talk about the scripture in the text of the book and I share some of my story. And then Mm -hmm. at the end of each day, there is one action step, a, a daily action step for you to take. There is a prayer to pray because sometimes we don't know the words to pray. Mm -hmm. There's a small prayer there. And then there's also a journaling page. As I've shared, journaling was huge for me. So I wanted Mm -hmm. readers to have that space to write out what God was showing them, to write out how they're going to take that daily action step. And so it's just kind of written in that small, short, compact way to help you know, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to take this one step today. And that's all I'm going to focus on. And by getting those small victories over time, those steps become bigger. Hmm. That's so good. Awesome. So for you guys listening, all of you ladies, I encourage you to grab that. If the, if you have been dealing with mental health struggles, um, anxiety, depression, and you don't know where to go or you don't know how to start and you want um, to get freedom and you want to just yeah, you want your life to look different. I encourage you to get a hold of that resource. I will again link it in the description. But yeah, grab a hold of Anxiety Elephants Devotional because um, I I'm really excited to grab it as well because I really want that in my own life. You know, to be able to take those little action steps, which is tangible. It's something specific. It's not all this like. Um, kind of out there mentality. It's like, no, this is what I can do today. And so I encourage you ladies um, who are listening to grab a hold of that. But Karis, it was so nice to have you join us today. We appreciate you sharing your story and what you've walked through. Um, And I just, yeah, I encourage you to continue to share wherever you go because uh, God has anointed you for this time, you know, to share this message. Um, I believe it's so timely for the body of Christ. And yeah, we just even pray that he opens doors for you to continue to um, let women hear this because I think it's so powerful. So thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. I've I've loved talking with you. Awesome. All right. Well, listeners, have a good rest of your day and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for hanging out today. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. I also want to let you know that I've written an ebook called Refreshing Your Prayer Life. This is a tool that I'd love for you to have access to. 
You can download this free ebook by following the link in the episode notes below. Let's chat again soon.